You're listening to The Pipeline Show with Guy Flaming. Giant Turkey is a little over the line, my man. Back on The Pipeline Show, and let's kick off the NCAA tournament preview uh, by looking at the uh, two games, the four teams that are uh, playing in Providence. And uh, that uh, part of the bracket gets going on Saturday. It's the East Regional at the four teams that are featured, Minnesota State, the number one ranked team, will be going against uh, Providence, basically a home game for them. We'll get to that in a second. And uh, Northeastern will play Cornell. And my uh, guest to uh, set up this uh, part of the bracket is Jimmy Conley from USCHO. Jimmy, welcome back to the Pipeline Show. Getting ready for this weekend. How's things? Uh, things are great. I mean, this time of year, how can they be bad? You're seeing the best hockey. And, I mean, last week's conference tournaments proved that out. And now we get to go into a regional. I think it's just going to be even better hockey. So I, I love this time of year. Let's start with the fact Providence is playing basically a home game again. And, well, not basically. They are playing a home game. And it's uh, the Friars are the number four team in this uh, this regional. How does this happen? Well, it's it's. It's really attendance, you know. You you want to keep a team like Providence that close, even though they're not the host team. Brown is the host team. If they had just if they would just bid to host these regionals, which takes a lot of effort, and they don't have the size of athletic department maybe to to do it, but they'd automatically be placed there. They're not the host team, um, so technically they don't have to be placed there. But when you really think about it in the logistics of the NCAAs and they've got to move a lot of teams around to make this tournament happen and there's a lot of expenses and you've got to cover some of those expenses with attendance and um, you know I know it probably feels like a big disadvantage to Minnesota State but I also think that you know you've been around hockey long enough for teams to be more motivated when they're in front of hostile crowds and I wouldn't be surprised if they take that approach and it's the approach they kind of have to take but you know in terms of how they how it happens I think it just has to logistically this you know the, the one of the mandates of the committee is to make sure that you protect the gate that you don't imagine if Providence was playing in, in say Fargo and you've got a regional in their hometown, and you have no fans at it. It just wouldn't make sense. Well, that begs the question: Why do they do it like this? So where they have it in what's supposedly neutral sites? Maybe if they should just be playing them in places where there aren't college hockey to begin with, like Kansas City or something like that. Um, but uh, then I guess you, then I guess you have no attendance. But yeah, those experiments have been tried, um, you know, and they've played in uh, St. Louis, I believe, and it was. Uh, a bit of a failure and you know they've gone to some cities you know Allentown Pennsylvania is not very close to any team except really Penn State Penn State hasn't made the tournament that place could be a bit of a ghost town uh, this weekend so it, you'd rather have some environment than none mm-hmm. the, the one question that you could be left with is why don't they play these games on a campus site right and just let the host the top team host all four teams go to that one region and there's just logistical problems with that. And then you also have, you know, what, what happens if you have a top seed that has only 2000 seats in the building? How do you handle that when you, you know, you're trying to give out at least 500 tickets to every school, where the general fans fit in. So it's, it's just, it's been a logistical um, question for the NCAA and the ice hockey committee for um, yeah, basically a few years now. Um, that they just, you know, nobody has figured it out. And a big problem comes that not a lot of places apply to host this tournament either. Mm. You know, you're talking about having your Midwest region in eastern Pennsylvania. Yeah. And that's, I mean, that's about as far away from the Midwest as you can get. But 
when only two teams apply to host, that's a problem. And, and t- talking with people on the committee and their chair, Steve Metcalf, he says that the next round of bids, they've been a little bit more aggressive of going after cities and asking them to bid. But a lot goes into it. You've got to find a, a host school that will partner with you or at least some sort of a sports authority that will, you know, fund some of the money. If, the, you know, there's money that has to be made up if you don't make a certain amount of money in attendance. So there's just a lot of liability, I guess you'd say, for, for those who decide to host. And that's what kind of creates some of these smaller problems. All right, let's get to the hockey itself. Uh, that the first game on Saturday will be Minnesota State and Providence, and uh, when the puck drops, I don't know that home ice will make a, a whole ton of difference or not. You, you seem to think that maybe the Mavericks will uh, rise to the occasion. Tell me why uh, Minnesota State should be, in your mind, at least uh, be favored in this game, or how do you see it? Well, I mean, they, you know, they've had so, so much success, and they've just found a way to win everything that's been out there this year, and you know, tight games not so tight games. They've really been, um, I think rolling in the second half. They played some very good hockey. Um, they've beaten some good teams, you know, I, and, and they have what it takes. I mean, they have a lot of goal scoring. Uh, Michaelis and Toomey up front are, you know, both either 40 point guys or Toomey's 39. He'll get, you know, chance to get there this weekend. And on the back end, you've got two goaltenders, and I know that uh, McKay, Dryden McKay, is the guy that they seem to be going with, you know, both, both he and uh, Matthias Israelson both have a 1.65 goals against average. That is outstanding when you, you're thinking your team defense is basically giving up a little more than a goal and a half a game. Yeah. That's a pretty big advantage, and uh, they're doing a lot of things right right now, and if they're going to get past Providence, and that's a big if because, you know, Providence has a lot of talent, um, they're going to have to do it with getting the timely scoring and making sure they can shut down a Providence team that, when it gets going, can score a lot of goals. Well, Minnesota State won 10 more games this year than Providence did. They uh, score slightly more. Their power play, their penalty kill, both slightly better uh, than Providence. Yet the Friars are going to be a good team. That Maybe that home ice comes in, in into play for them. Give me the argument why Providence moves on. Well, I think they're... You know, desperation in the NCAA tournament is a good thing, and they're desperate to prove that this season was not a lost season. Um, they didn't win the regular season title. Um, they fell very short of UMass, as everybody did in Hockey East. Um, they get the number two seed in the tournament and then are, you know, uh, seconds away from sweeping Boston College, lose game two in overtime, and then lose game three, and they're suddenly out of the hockey tournament. Now, have they ever been in that position before? And the answer is yes. And they had to sit there in 2015 and wait and figure out if they were going to make the tournament. They were the last team in, and it took a lot of math on the last night to get them in, but they were the last team into the tournament. Then they played the number one seed, Miami, in Providence, in front of a pretty raucous crowd that year, because that was the first time in a while that Providence had been able to play a game, an NCAA game at home. And, of course, if we remember it all, they then went out to win that whole regional, uh, beat Boston University in the national title game, win their only national title. So this is a path that they're familiar with. And, I, you know, knowing late Nate Lehman very well, he's going to try to use the loss two weekends ago to motivate this team. Um, the, the one, the one big question for them is goaltending. And you have to think of that 2015 team having John Gillies and that's a great goaltender. And Hayden Hockey has been 
good, solid, but as he goes, kind of this team goes. So when he's playing well, the team's usually winning. When he's not playing well, though, you know, you have a lot of question marks. All right. Well, we'll look for that game on Saturday. The other game, the later game, I see that Northeastern going up against the Big Red of Cornell. Now, Cornell a little bit banged up, my understanding. Uh, a question mark potentially with uh, Matt Golida, their netminder? Yeah, and I am you know, was told yesterday that he's highly doubtful, which mm. would leave Austin McGrath, who's only started, I believe. He has results in seven games. He's played in 11, but a 4-2-1 and one record. Um, you know, his numbers are solid, and I'm sure if you're a Mike Schaefer uh, player and you're a goaltender, he's always had some of the best goaltenders. So backup net mining shouldn't be something that concerns this team, but McElida is, you know, one of the better goaltenders in the country and one of the, you know, players that you know can be, you know, a game changer. So I don't know how much that will factor in. He was injured last Saturday night. That's a quick turnaround. And, and it's a, you know, talking to some people in the last couple of days, it sounds doubtful. Mm-hmm. Um, and without, so without him, maybe that changes the complexion of this game, but you know, it's still, Cornell still, possesses a lot of characteristics of the traditional Cornell teams, big, heavy, physical, and that doesn't always match up that well for Northeastern. You know, the Northeastern is used to playing fast. They don't like to get into too much of a physical game. They can do it if they have to, but that's not exactly the place that uh, I, I think they excel. So, uh, you know, Cornell could still use their physical presence, and you never know what kind of a, a goaltending effort you're going to get from a player who's you know basically starting maybe his eighth game this season. Hmm. Well, the uh, head-to-head matchup, Northeastern scores more, but they give up more. Uh, their uh, power play isn't nearly as good as, as Cornell's has been this season, and their penalty kill isn't as good as uh, what Cornell has iced this year. So is there a bit of a statistical advantage potentially here for Cornell? I know Northeastern is on such a run, though, this year. they they got to be feeling pretty confident going into this one. And, and they are, you know, in talking to Jim Madigan yesterday, he feels um, extremely confident in this team and especially their ability to maybe win some of those tight, close games that you, that they've lost. I mean, they lost a heartbreaker to Michigan last, last year in the NCAA tournament, a one goal game. And I think, you know, he believes his team, if they were put in that position again, can find a way to come out on the other side of it. Uh, one of their, I don't want to say problems, but one of the things that they have tended to do in the last, few weeks has put themselves behind and chasing the game. Uh, they had to come back in the third period last uh, Friday night in the hockey semifinals against Boston University. Uh, they had a really hard-fought series against Maine where they just could never seem to put it away, and it took overtime one night and then uh, hanging on by a thread the second night. And, you know, they had, but I guess in Jim Madigan's words, he feels like that um, will make his team more confident. He said, he, he, his exact words, he said, coming out of that locker room, on Friday night, we had all the confidence in the world we were going to win that game, and they did. It, confidence is, is one of those things that you just can't – players just don't have it. It's something you have to learn. You just have to learn by the experience of doing and having success, and thus far they've had it. And this, like you said, this is the hottest team or one of the hotter teams, Northeastern teams that's come into this tournament, and they seem to balance it better than last year's club that had that really big line um, with Secura and uh, Stevens and Gaudet. So this team has a little bit more balance. I, I feel like that really makes them a better candidate for this tournament. Um, 
and uh, you know you just have to see how they come out. I think that the first ten minutes on on Saturday will be a big difference maker for Northeastern. Notable Canadians involved in this game for both teams. Jeremy Davies leads Northeastern in scoring. Morgan Barron leads at Cornell in scoring. Tyler Madden having such a great a freshman season for the Huskies as well. And uh, don't forget Caden Primo in net for Northeastern could be a difference maker there. Uh, all right. Uh, we, I told you ahead of time that the, the only prediction I'm going to get from you is that uh, from since 2006, I believe it is, a number one ranked team in one of the regionals has uh, bowed out in the first round. If that were to happen this year, which team do you think it would be? The uh, the four number ones, just uh, for the audience's sake, St. Cloud, UMass, uh, Minnesota State, and Minnesota, uh, yeah, Minnesota Duluth. Uh, of those four, if it were to happen, which uh, which team do you think it is? So I'll I'll say that I don't. This feels like the one year that that trend could break. If it's going to happen, I don't see St. Cloud and I don't see Duluth losing. They're just too strong right now. I mean, my bracket, I have them playing for the national title. That's so how I. Uh, strong I think both of those teams are. Um, UMass, a possibility just because they don't have the experience, and experience matters. And you kind of saw it last Friday night at the Garden when they lost to BC. They just didn't look like a team that had been on that stage before. Um, but I'm just going to, you know, kind of go with the chalk and say if there's going to be one team, it's probably going to be Minnesota State playing on the road. I know I've just, you know, spouted on for three minutes about <laughs> how it's not necessarily that home ice of a home ice for Providence. It's not like it's on their campus. But, you know, it's Minnesota State has had a, a tough time sometimes, you know, living up to the expectations of this tournament. And Providence, I just go back to that 2015 team, how hungry they came out in that NCAA regional and, and what it meant to them afterwards. I feel like they have that ability here. I feel like they've been arguably the best team I've watched in hockey East all year. And I, that means I've watched, you know, UMass equally as much. I feel like they're a better team Providence is. So I guess if I'd have to pick it, Providence could do it. I still like a lot about the way Minnesota State comes into the tournament playing. Jimmy, great uh, setup for this weekend. Really appreciate your time. Uh, enjoy the hockey. Yeah, you too, Keith. Thanks so much. That was a good friend of the show, longtime contributor here on the Pipeline Show. His name is Jimmy Connolly from USCHO.com. That was the East Regional Preview. Those four teams, Minnesota State taking on Providence, Cornell against Northeastern. My bracket have Providence winning the uh, the upset in the first round, which would uh, answer my poll question. This week, which of the four number one seeds do I have bowing out in the first round this year? If it happens, I went with Minnesota State. So the Providence Friars move on to play the Huskies of Northeastern. I have beating Cornell. I thought hard about Cornell maybe pulling the upset, but with Matt Goleta out or not expected to play, I am leaning towards Northeastern. They are pretty hot. Uh, going in and probably should be the team that gets to the Frozen Four. However, I am picking the Friars in a uh, upset, double upset, as the number four seed to get to the Frozen Four. The final regional to preview is the Midwest Regional from that Midwest state of Pennsylvania. Allentown, Pennsylvania hosting this regional. It features the defending champion University of Minnesota Duluth taking on Bowling Green, Arizona State going up against Quinnipiac or Quinnipiac, or Quinnipiac. However you pronounce it, they're one of the four teams involved. Adam Woden from College Hockey News. He's my guest to set the stage. That's next, here on the Pipeline Show. (laughs) 
Minnesota Duluth gets it again. Tynan goes out of there on a terrific call. Third power play of the game for the Bulldogs. Fontaine dropped it in the middle. Great pass. Conley scores! Mike Conley power play goal! Somebody shut the door! Ladies and gentlemen, from Calgary, Alberta, Mike Conley, University of Minnesota Duluth National Championships 2011, and you're listening to the Pipeline Show. Ah, you babes all about your Madison shoes. We got a thing we call the Madison Blues. We do the Madison Blues. We do the Madison Blues. We do the Madison Blues, baby. Rock away your blues. Nothing compares to the smile on a child's face after their wish has been granted. The Rainbow Society of Alberta is dedicated to granting wishes throughout the province to children who have been diagnosed with a life-threatening or severe chronic medical illness. And you can help too. View the wishes, refer a child, and donate at rainbowsociety.ab.ca or get involved as a volunteer. Having a wish come true fills a child's heart with hope and happiness. Visit rainbowsociety.ab.ca today. 